Is that better? Matthew chapter 15. Let's all stand for the reading of the Word of God. Matthew chapter 15. I don't know. Um, I've passed her long enough uh, that uh, I don't know how many times you get to sit with your wife. Um, I'm okay up here. I am. Um, well, let's, let's ask your wife first. If she wants, no, it's okay. You want to sit with your husband? Yeah, good. And uh, that'd be great. That'd be wonderful. And uh, what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is. I have uh, just a moment tonight to say thank you. Um, it wasn't long ago I preached another building banquet as a young pastor, and he was just trying to get things going, going to do a new foyer, things like that. And he's kind of nervous. And so he introduced me. He says, uh, it's great to have Brother Rule here. And he says, uh, we're trying to raise money to get better speakers. And I thought, uh, okay, because I, I mean speakers for the foyer, speakers for the foyer. And I thought, well, that was a great introduction. I appreciate that very, very, very much. Um, let me say this about Bible Baptists. It's nice to come to a, what I would call a first-class ministry. Um, that is the vision of a pastor. Uh, you could kind of come in here and, uh, you know, chairs are not aligned and uh, the carpet hasn't been uh, vacuumed and the windows are dirty and, you know, then you don't start, whatever. And you just kind of go, okay, well, let's get this thing going. Uh, when you come to Bible Baptist, it's, like, it's already going. And you hear about the jail ministry, the nursing home ministry. You hear about the buses. You hear about the, the calling, the help, and, and then the greeters and just everything. I mean, I say this, that doesn't happen often. That does not happen often. And so if you're a part of uh, Bible Baptist right here, uh, you can just say, okay, this is a good place, a very good place. And so I mean, I just say thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Never take advantage, never take uh, for granted, would be a better way to say it, of, uh, of your pastor. Yeah. I, I don't say this for his sake. I really say it for yours. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15 says, I will give you a pastor after my own heart. I love those words. My heart to yours. God says, I'll give you a pastor. A pastor that'll pray for you, that'll love you, that would exemplify the very life of Christ in front of you, the one that you can call at any time. May I say this, you know, I don't want to call a pastor. Please do. I, I love when I get a call at 3 a.m. in the morning. I, I, I really do. I always think it's the deacon board. They want to give me a raise, and they could not wait to tell me, all right? <laughs> that has never happened, just to let you know. That has never happened, all right? But you know, here, here's the conversation. Pastor Rule, you know, a drug addict, a drunk with a pastor Rule. Yeah, buddy. This is, I know it is. I knew I could call you. That's it. That's what I like. Right there. That's what a pastor is. pastor does not mind being excused in the dinner table. He's got something to do. A call came in. I'm glad he's called. And you have that pastor. You have that pastor. Do, do, not, do not take for granted the pastor. And I always mention this. The pastor's wife. You have no idea. No idea. And it's, well, you pastors are all the same. Um, well, we're all pastors, um, but we all have real lives also. Yeah. It hurts us when you're hurt. Uh, it bothers us when you're not faithful, like we're here. One man told me, uh, 35 years, I probably didn't miss 10 Sundays. Now, all those are traveling and things like that. That's once, about one every three years. So, hey, you missed a few Sundays. I said, I missed a whole lot less than you have. That's for sure. Amen. <laughs> I like to have one service to say everything I want to say. That'd be good, right? Nobody would ever come back after that, but I'd like to say it one time, so that'd be great, okay? 
and uh, time change Sunday. Uh, be ready for that, all right? Uh, I, I love the one, the one that springs ahead and get an extra hour of sleep. That's like a holiday for me. Uh, this one falling back, I have to prepare for that one. And so we tried different things in our church. Uh, we said, um, one man said this, he goes, why don't we change the clocks in between the services? So Sunday morning, we're just right on time. We don't lose an hour of sleep. And then in the middle of the time, we'll, we'll do it. Someone said, well, let's just change it Sunday night. Who cares what the world does? I had one said, how about we change it during the message? We'll just go ahead an hour and you have to quit, you know? <laughs> I thought, that's a wonderful congregant right there. I love that one. I really like that one. So good, 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 good. Uh, Mike Gray calls me every Sunday also. He has not found a sermon yet, so he's calling me for a sermon. But I'm glad he's calling you. He'll get a better sermon if he's calling you. So thank you for your kindnesses and your warm welcome. Uh, thank you for the hotel room, uh, the nice gift basket, the cigarettes and the wine. Thank you very much. Wanting to make my wife and I feel at home. Thank you. Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15. Before I tell you the verse, I'm going to just ask you that right now to say, Lord, if I hear a truth tonight that's from God's word, I'll do it. In pastoral, you're kind of setting this up. Exactly. I will not do it for your sake. I will do it for others. I will not preach a new truth by no means tonight, but I will preach a very needed truth tonight. You can go ahead and try to configure it and say, well, should I, should I not? And, you know, I got this, I got this. Or you can just say right now, God, if you let a man, Pastor Brown and I have never talked about what to preach. Um, A pastor will not do that. I'm not here to help the flock, honestly. That's his job. I'm here to do as God asked me to do, and I prayed for the messages, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt what I taught in Sunday school and preached this morning and what I'm preaching tonight. In fact, we call them affirmations, and tonight, as soon as you talked about rest of the perishing, God says, son, I'm glad you're on the right track. Let's look at Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 29. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee, Went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes, plural, and great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down to Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that, they, that the multitude wondered. When they saw the dumb to speak and the maimed to behold and the lame to walk and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Honestly, kind of like three obscure verses. Another day in the life of Jesus Christ. I count them up. 86 words. 53 were to tell you how it was done. 33 to tell you what was done. Yet one of the greatest, greatest truths of the Christian life are in those three verses. I'm not much one for titles, but I would call it uh, mountain climbing Christianity. I don't know if you want to be an average church. Average. Probably no one's time would say, we like to be a little below average. But how many would say, I'd like to be above average? You have to understand the church is you. So you can live an average life. You can live a fair life. But there's an area below fair. And we don't like 
that sometimes. Well, he took advantage of me or, you know, they, they expect too much and, and it's like below fear. But there's a big area above fear also. Now I'm going to ask tonight for Bible Baptists to look above that line and think about that title, Mountain Climbing Christianity. Father in heaven, thank you for a sweet church. The very sense of your spirit is mighty here. I enjoy the musicians. I enjoy the singers. I thought about the brother singing in front of a sister. I thought, how good that is. I thought about a sister hearing her brother sing and think, God has done wonders. I think about people saved today, the greatest day of their human life. A nursing home and jails and even here, and I thought about Latanya and her son being baptized. What a sweet time. Tonight, give us the truth. Help us not to receive the truth, but to live the truth. Tonight, I want to tell you we love you. Thanks for being that great God. For Christ's sake, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Not long ago, we had a Monday holiday, and you've had them also, and Monday holiday. And, and so our staff and all of us, we had the day off, the day off. Now, I'm not sure about you, but a day off. A day off. What we, first question, a day off what? A day off work. A day off work, right? And uh, so what do you take a day off of? Work, right? So that's what it means. Exactly, exactly. A day off work, all right? And so um, we like days off. So why would anyone have a day off work only to go ahead and... <laughs> you, you already answered before me. Why in the world if you have a day off work to say, let's go get some work done today, you know? It's a day off work. I do all those other days and many in a row and, and you have the day off work. So why go work those days? And so, so here it is. I have a, a pretty little girlfriend I've been with for 45 years. I love the fire out of her. And so we have this Monday off and she says, uh, hey, so we've got some time off. Uh, why do you think about taking a hike? Then taking a hike. Now I'm thinking here, a day off? A day of relaxation, a, a day of taking it easy, not a day of getting up early, driving three hours to some godforsaken mountain, climb up there and just be able to say we climbed up a mountain. Now, it's just not me. It's just not me. So what happened to, what happened to, let's take a drive. I like that. I like that. People say, I jog a lot. It's too bad. I have a car. I just drive around, okay? So I like that, right? So my wife mentioned this little place, and she goes, let's, let's go climb, let's go climb uh, Black Butte, Black Butte. I thought the one in Tehama County, no, the one in Shasta County. I, I said, oh, Black Butte, okay, what, what is Black Butte? It's, a, it's about a 6,600 mile hike of where you get out, and so it's about a, a mile that you hike up, so it's not a long, long, like, you know, a long hike, but it's a pretty vertical hike, and uh, so I kind of looked up a little bit, and it's called Conehead. My wife wants to go hike a mountain called Conehead. Can I tell you something else? Here's what it's also called. It's also called the ugliest mountain in the state of California. <laughs> it literally is. It's called the ugliest mountain there is. We, we had some other plans going to some other place, and they fell through. And so we said, Let, let's, let's go do this one right here, uh, Black Butte. And, uh, okay, and it's called the Conehead. You know why? But literally, if you look at it, you can drive up I-5. You'll see it. It's just one big brown conehead. There, there's no vegetation. There's no beautiful sight. There's no, like, little... It's not there. It's ugly. It's the ugliest mountain I've ever seen in my life. My wife says, I can't wait to go. I said, you got a problem, woman. You got a problem, okay? 
So there we go. So we drive about two and a half hours to get to this place called Conehead. Uh, we called a few people up. We said, hey, we're going to take a hike today. And it's a day off. No, isn't that fun? <laughs> we're going to climb Conehead. And they go, why would you want to do that? I said, why? They said, oh, this mountain there is. I said, I'm hearing that too often right now. It says, ugly, it's all rocks. And uh, I said, there is a difference between a mountain hike and a mountain climb. And I've done enough with my wife. We've hiked many, many hikes, all right? Why? But she's my girlfriend, and I love her. That's why I do it, all right? And so um, we, we've done many hikes, and they are beautiful in different states and different places, and uh, it's been wonderful. And we got close to this mountain here, and I kept thinking, why are we going to do this? Why are we going to do this? Real mountain climbing is not fun. It's just not fun. Challenging, yes. Adventurous, yes. Fun, no. Not, not real mountain climbing. I mean, after 100 yards, I'm sucking air. I'm hurting, but yeah. oh, I'm just trying my best. But I will never tell her, no way in the world. I'm not going to tell her. And she wouldn't tell me either. She was tired either. So you think I'm competitive. My wife's 10 times more competitive than I am, all right? And uh, so I always let her go first so she can't see me going. <sighs> so, we start, so we start, we, we drive to this Conehead Mountain, the ugliest mountain in California. We drive there, and nobody knows where it is. Nobody goes there. Finally, Three times we finally get to the base of this mountain, and I saw two cars there. I thought, well, at least somebody else is here. They've been there for like four years. They haven't been moved one time. So I thought, you know, they died up here. That's what happened. You know, they're still down here. So we begin to do this ascent up to Conehead Mountain, Black Butte Mountain. And it's not one of those you kind of switch back and forth. It's the one you just kind of start going around it, literally, and around it, and around Because it's just a Conehead. It's just a Conehead. And so now we are going, and it was not fun. It was not pleasant. Uh, I wanted to stop. I did not voice that. Uh, it was hard work. It was getting up the mountain, getting up the mountain. My wife, now she realizes that a little difficulty in this climb, not a hike. Uh, there's not a nice little wide path, asphalt or gravel. It's not that. It's a, a walking path uh, about maybe two to two and a half foot wide at places. Some places, none at all. Uh, this is not a walking path. You go like this. This is the path you kind of lean in and hold us on the mountaintop and walk around so you don't slide down. If you slide down, there's nothing down there to catch you. And so I'm saying, well, it's an easy way back to the car. Just let go. You go all the way down the mountaintop. So... Hey, mountain climbing. I'll just say one more time, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't good. It wasn't even fun. In fact, we look back, we don't know why we did it. And I know we will never do that one again. Mountain climbing. Can I tell you something? And Jesus went up into a mountain. The Bible says clearly that Jesus, I'll read the verse again. And Jesus departed from thence and came unto, unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes, not singular multitude, great multitudes. He's close to the, what we call Decapolis, Decapolis 10, 10 cities. And they knew Jesus Christ was in the area. And they heard about Jesus Christ. He had the, the deal with the Sinfonian woman there, and he healed her daughter. And they heard he was in the area. So all these 10 different cities got their people, and they wanted to get to Jesus. Where is Jesus? He's up the mountain. He's up the mountain. But these people got to get up the mountain. 
So notice the results, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak and the maimed to behold and the lame to walk and the blind to see and the God of Israel was glorified. Amazing, amazing. So now we have these people knowing where Jesus Christ is, knowing what he does, and now they have to get their people up to Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus Christ is on the mountain. Jesus Christ is above elevation. And now the people see him up there. They know he's there. And they know if they get to Jesus Christ, something's going to happen in their life. Mountain climbing Christianity. So listen. Was it fun? No. Was it pleasant? No. Was it uh, hard? Did you want to stop? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I had to get up the mountain. I had to get up the mountain. And the great multitude, can I describe them? Number one, they were lame. They cannot walk. Number two, they're blind, they cannot see. Number three, they were dumb, they could not talk or communicate. Number four, they're maimed, they're physically handicapped. And many others only think what type of people they were. Maybe those possessed of the demons, maybe those that were throwing themselves down in the water, throwing themselves in the fire, and here's a mom and here's a dad trying to get them up. I gotta get them up there, gotta get them up there. I gotta get them to Jesus' wife, because Jesus Christ will heal them. I saw what he did to this woman's daughter. I saw what he did to other people. I've heard all the I've gotta get this person up to Jesus Christ. And they cast him down to Jesus' feet, and he healed them all. The problem is, honestly, not the question, does Jesus heal him? Rather, the problem lies in the question, who is going to get them to Jesus? The question is not, that, that, that man up there, the God man, can he heal them? They already knew about him. He already raised the dead. He already uh, gave a uh, walk into the lame and given momentum and uh, movement to the, uh, the halt. And, and he's given sight to the blind and, and hearing to the deaf and speaking to the mute. And he's cast out the demon. They, they know he can do it. The problem is not can he do it. The problem is can we get the people up there to him? Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but my wife has the difficulty getting me up the mountain. Can you imagine a blind person? Imagine taking a blind person and, and just saying, we're, we're going to go up here, going to go up here, uh, but you want, you want your sight, it's up here, got to go, got to go, got to get up here. Imagine taking a halt person, a halt person, one that has the lower extremities not working and they can't walk very well, so maybe you have to carry them and maybe you drag them on the stretcher, maybe there's two of you doing it, and maybe you put them on your back, whatever it is, but you have to get a, a halt person up the mountain. That's not very pleasant either. Imagine getting a main person, those that have the upper extremities not very working, and they can't pull themselves, they can't get the balance, and so you have to help them. Can you imagine getting a one that cannot communicate with you to give them out? But all you know is this. If I can get them up that mountaintop, something's going to happen in their life. If I can get them up that mountain, something's going to change their life. If I can get them up there, I know Jesus Christ will do his part. I just got to get somebody up that mountain. I got to get somebody up that mountain. Notice the words that God used about these Yes, we understand the problem of getting there. Bottom line, people need to get Jesus and to heal them. When people get people to Jesus, whether in a jail, whether in a nursing home, whether in a church service, when people get people to Jesus Christ, Jesus always comes through and he helps those people. Then somebody needs to get somebody up the mountain. Then somebody needs to get somebody up the mountain. Then somebody needs to get somebody 
up the mountain. Then somebody needs to get somebody up the mountain. And you can hear it now, but there's multitudes. There's thousands and thousands of people trying to get up that hill. And some are already up the, through the, uh, the ascent. They're up to Jesus Christ. And they hear the glory. They hear the, oh, my soul, what a miracle. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And now they're down here. They say, oh, I've got to get up there. I've got to get up there. He just healed somebody. He just gave the sight to somebody. He just gave the walking to somebody. Oh, come on. you got to get me up that mountain. you got to get me up. I've got to get up there. Somebody needs to get somebody up that mountain. Amen. Same today. Same today. I think about that today. Number one, there's a great need today. There are people that are lame. Maybe not as you want to look at physically, like the laser out, you know, maybe a, a paraplegic. I'm just talking about people who do not know how to get around. I'm talking about this younger generation that has no mental resolve whatsoever. I don't know how to fix things. I don't know how to get around. I don't know how to navigate. God helps mom and dad to teach them how to navigate. God, God help moms and dads to teach your children how to resolve, how to have a tough time. I said how to have a tough time, how to get up, wipe yourself on, keep on going. But young people don't know that anymore, okay? I am people say, well, Pastor Roy, you've had a little rough life in your past, haven't you? Oh, no, I haven't. I've never told me about my rough life. Not one time. I learned how to work I was a young kid. I learned how to go without. I learned how to have a little sacrifice. But I tell you, it's what made me who I am today outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. I would not have any different. I don't want someone to go ahead and coddle me. I don't want someone to take care of me. I want to go through those tough times of life. And so when life really comes and a time where I need to know what to do, God said, I provide you with a good education. So just understand, there are people that don't know how to navigate today. There's needy people. Number two, they're blind. Let's say not physically blind. Have you ever talked to someone that just was blind? I mean, like, they had eyes, but they could not see. Have you ever explained something to someone and said, I don't understand that? I think, are you blind? And I say, outside the physical aspect of blindness, even Jesus said these words, the blind lead the blind. Do you know how many people are honestly blinded to what God has for them in this life? Can you come to church? Why? It's like me, God, who cares? And they're so blinded to the very fact of who God is. He said the maimed, maimed upper extremities, but really one who cannot function. I go to a mission every week, appreciate the jail ministry. I talk to grown men. You know what? They don't function. They don't pay bills. They don't be a dad. They don't be a husband. I'm telling you, you got this beautiful lady at home, you're out there honking, talking to bars, cheating on your wife. What are, you, what are you doing? You know what? They can't function. They're maimed in life. There's something wrong. There's something difficult. May I say, it's even worse when you are literally mentally maimed, not just physically maimed, but then you get on this self trip and depression that says, man, I'm just a loser in life. And now you've got to overcome that also. So here they are. Yes, they are uh, lame and they are blind and they are maimed and they are dumb. Dumb. I'm not talking about the physically not being able to speak. I'm talking about those who cannot communicate. Those, I don't know, I don't know how to describe how I feel. I don't know what to tell you I'm going through. I don't know how to ask for I'm just a, I'm just a dumb person. Now, not that I can't speak. I'm just a dumb person. I, I can't get along this world. I'll tell you what. Somebody needs to get that person up to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ will change their lives. These great multitudes, I believe tens of thousands all over the place, hurting people. We got them here today. Number one, there's a great need today. Number two, it takes time. You know why people don't get people up to Jesus? It just takes time. I love what Satan said. If I cannot get you to be bad, I will get you to be busy. They both have the same results. 
I would think of this church, as many of our sister churches would say this, we have a time where you go soul winning. Soul winning. Do you know that's not heard in most churches? Do you understand that's not even heard in a lot of Baptist churches? It's not that we cliche this little thing, he that winneth souls is wise, Proverbs. My, my brother, I have, a, I, have one, I have one real brother. We have the same mom, same dad. I have other siblings, all right? And so one is younger than I am, and uh, we have the same mom, but different dad. He lost both parents here. It was his dad that murdered our mom. And so he did not get to live with us later on because my dad was no blood relative to him. It's a drama scene, isn't it? And, uh, and so there he comes. I have him visit. He's never really been right. Never really figured out who he was. Never been married. Never had a sustained relationship. Didn't have any kids. Always struggles. And I, I feel for the guy. He's my half-brother. I love him dearly. <laughs> he's great. I had him come out and visit for a couple weeks. And so he's not used to going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday morning service, Wednesday, Sunday night service, Wednesday night service. Yes, you go to church all the time. I said, yeah, we don't have to. We get to. How <laughs> you like that? And so I said, hey, uh, it's Tuesday night. I'd like to have you go out, and we're going to show winning. He kind of got it mixed up as he heard me going soul winning. We're going to knock on some doors. He goes, hey, are we going soul knocking tonight? I want to go soul knocking tonight. We're going to... He had it mixed up, but I think he had it pretty right there, right? When was the last time he took time to go soul knocking? Pastor, I could ask you. There's a pretty good crowd here tonight. 100-something people, maybe. I'm not sure if you had 100 people out soul winning last week. Yet the need is greater today than it ever has been before. There's less time we've ever had before, and there are fewer workers than we've ever had before. How do you climb a mountain? It takes time. It takes time. It takes time. I don't mind saying this. I'm busy. We get asked the appropriate question. Pastor, how are you doing? You know, through the transition, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm really doing fine. My position does not determine my productivity. My person, my person determines my productivity. I do what I do because God's called me to do it. And let me just throw this in here. And God called me to California. So what's just, I'm not going to leave California. Amen. Unless God called me to someplace else. And he can always do that. But I'm just saying this. And a lot of people are now moving from California. Uh, Governor DeSantis just made fun of Governor Newsom. just saying there's a massive exodus from your state to my state. And he's correct. And a lot of people are saying this right now. You know, so I'm going into my pension. I'm going into my retirement year. So I'm going to move away. So we took all the benefits of California, and now we're going to take the benefits and go someplace else. Be careful. If it's the will of God for your life, I'm all for the will of God for your life. I'm number one for the will of God for your life. But people are saying, well, Pastor, if you, if you just sold your house and someplace else, you don't have to have to work a day in your life. You're correct. But I work a day in my life no matter where I'm at. And I just say, is God called me to California to help California. And the need is greater today than it ever was, so why would I leave California? If all the good people leave California, what's California going to be? How about changing California? Is not California the trendsetter for the rest of the country? So how about some Christians here? And not talk about Ashbury, Kentucky. Talk about Bible Baptist right here in Marysville, California, and having people come to church and give them a face in order before God and say, God, we want to see something happen about Christian California and have people just come here by the droves. Why? Because God is doing something here in California. And when they know that there's a God that can heal and that can help and that can resolve and that can change life, everyone will come to California. That's our job. That's why we're here. Yes, number one, there's a great need. Number two, it's takes time. Number three, may I just say this, what are you doing with all your time anyway? 
God help me if you're playing fantasy football. God, God help me. I, I, this fantasy football stuff is like soccer. It's not even a sport. Amen, okay? It takes time. Number three, it takes hard work. Mountain climbing is not fun. I'll tell you, mountain climbing is not fun. Living above the line, watch this, it's not a fun thing to do. People talk about you. People mimic your ways. Oh, you go to church? Oh, you have to do this? I hear this. Oh, you, you, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you're right, I cannot get drunk. Thank you very much. I like saying this, I don't have hangovers. How do you like that? I didn't lose my car last night. How about you? I don't have to go to rehab for all the problems I have. How about that, you know? I don't, I don't take that jump for anybody. Well, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do this. Yeah, I'm glad I don't have to do all that stuff. Amen. It's hard work to take somebody else with you. I get to travel. I get to go speak other places. Usually one time after that, I'm never asked back. Don't worry about it, okay? So people say, I really like your message. You know, I say, yeah, it's like an orthodontic appointment. Amen. Uh, a root canal, orthodontic appointment, and pastor rule. How do you like those three? Okay, so good. You may not like them, but you need them, and they make you feel better afterwards, okay? <laughs> Traveling, I got it down to a science. I travel very easily. I never check a bag. I know exactly what to pack. I never bring too many or too less clothes. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly how to walk through TSA. I know how to walk through the security. I know exactly what to say. I know how to put my bag in. I know how to take everything out. I know what to wear. I have a belt that has the buckle that comes off. Thank you, Brother Gatlin. Appreciate that very much. And uh, so I, I got down to it. I walk right through there. I have a great time traveling. And then I take my wife. <laughs> it's a whole different story. It's a whole different story. Here we go. I've got my one little carry-on. I've got all these other suitcases over here. I've got to get the cart to put them all over there, and I go over here, and now we're checking the luggage because we can't pin them all up there, and I get all the luggage up there and all this other stuff, and then we got to stop by and get a latte. Okay, we'll stop and get the latte, okay, and we'll go over here. we got to get some over here. We'll do that too. Okay, where's my cell? And I, I love every bit of it. I remember one time we're going through the uh, security, and I'm looking back there, and she's still back there. Here's our favorite line. Bag check. Please, bag check, please. I'm going, it's my wife. I'm leaving right now. I'm just going. I'm not going there. Bag check, bag check. I'm looking back there. So, honey, the plane's going. I know it's my bag. It's always your bag, honey. It's always your bag. And uh, they pull out this rolling pin. This rolling pin. It's made of what? Ceramic rolling pin? I mean, it could have killed 14 people before they got her, I guarantee you, you know? Then she has a meat cleaver, a wooden meat cleaver that's just boom, beat the meat. They let her have that, but not the rolling pin. I have no idea about TSA, okay? Oh. Traveling together. It's much more difficult. I didn't go to the end yet, but my wife and I climbed around that mountain and got to the top. On that side, we got to see Mount Shasta, the most beautiful view there was. Traveling together may be more difficult, but joy is always greater. Can you imagine? Just stop. Can you imagine getting a blind man up the mountain and you're just exhausted, you're expended? You're waiting in line, and he can't see what's going on, but he hears, he hears, thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And he says, are, are we next? We're, we're close. Are we next? We're, we're close. We're getting here. We're getting there. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Then he hears a soft voice. Sir, sir, sir. Yes, Jesus, yes. 
So I'm going to touch your eyes. Please do. Please do. I just want to see. Jesus touches his eyes. And I don't know if he lays his hands over them. I like the time when Jesus spit and took the dust and made spittle. Remember that one? Anoint his eyes. He's saying, ooh, ooh. He's blind. He can't see it anyway, so don't worry about it, okay? But I see this often. I see Jesus move his hands. And the first thing the man sees is Jesus Christ. He gets so happy. He gets so happy. He gets so happy. I talked to Latanya. I talked to Janet today. Auntie and mom. I talked to the young boy that got saved. Seven-year-old young boy got saved. I saw that glow on her face. I saw that happiness. Now, hey, there is. We got him up to the mountain. And we got him around Jesus Christ. We got him around the person that told him. I know it's hard to run a bus route. I know it's hard to get out on Saturday. I know it's hard to get a little up early on Sunday. But I'll tell you what. It sure is worth it when you see a life change like this right here. Hey, it's a whole lot better. A harder to travel by uh, with someone else. But it's a whole lot better to get to enjoy all the benefits there. Yes, it's, um, it's a great need. It takes extra time. It takes hard work. It's not pleasant. Have you ever thought about the people that took up there? They were not well-groomed, well-dressed, well-presented. I have to believe that many of these people had a very hard time relieving themselves properly, and there was a stench. There was ugliness. Everything about the lady with the issue of blood 12 years? Everything about her? It's kind of touching. It's kind of touching. Everything about her? I spent all my money to all the physicians, and they not maybe benefit. It's worse, and all the stuff they did is not working. I just need some help. I just need some hope. I just got to get to that man Jesus. If I get to that man Jesus, then something's going to change. Do you understand she had a physical problem about having a blood issue? Do you understand that affected her culturally? Every time she walked in someplace, unclean, unclean, can't be here. Husband said, can't be in this home. Mom, our children said, can't be my mom, can't be my mom. I got to leave here. Our neighbors say, can't be over here, unclean. And she's separated. She's isolated. She's all by herself. And all she wanted to do is get someone to get me to Jesus Christ. And when she got to Jesus Christ and just touched the heavens, her life changed forever. Somebody's got to get somebody up that mountain. Somebody's got to get somebody up the mountain. Somebody's got to get somebody to Jesus Christ. Hmm. The path is not well traveled. We went up Conehead. There weren't little handrails for us. One of the little signs is just about there. Congratulations. And I say this, climbing mountains to help people is not well-traveled in your church and in mine and every church I know. Then why do we call it the Great Commission? We probably have more people singing than doing going soul-knocking. We probably have more people teaching than going soul winning. We probably have more people tithing than helping people get out of hell. It's a road not very well traveled, yet it is the given commandment of our Savior as he left the Great Commission. You'll want to quit. Notice the mountaintop experience. Healing, new life, excitement. 
people will never forget you. Rachel, how old were you when you came to Pleasant Valley Baptist Church? How old? Fifteen? I don't know Rachel well. Every time I come here, I look forward to seeing Rachel. Just some little connection. I've not lead Rachel to Christ. But I sure have in 35 years encouraged people to get people up that mountain. Restore lives. See changes. Get closer to the Savior. And that'll never change. Imagine one day going to heaven and a man there said, um, it was you who came to a nursing home that was not pleasant, I was not well presentable, but you took time to see me. Hmm. So I'm not sure where your time goes to. I'm not sure what you labor for, but somebody got to get somebody up the mountain. Somebody's got to get a number two, become a number one. Somebody. May I say the last thing? It's not if can Jesus heal him. That's not the question. The question is, is somebody going to get somebody to Jesus to heal him? We've seen a lot of natural things happen, snowstorms, windstorms, flooding. I'm sure it's all because of climate control. I'm sure. Amen. Don't use your gas top stoves. It's changing the ozone. Help you. They told me, I hate my home with wood, okay, wood, um, because I'm cheap, that's why. And uh, I don't want to pay PG&E. So your smoke is affecting everybody else. First of all, honey, I live on 40 acres. My smoke doesn't get off my property, okay? It's, it's all right there. Um, natural disaster, 1989. One of the greatest earthquakes that ever hit, Armenia. 8.9 on the Richter scale. Listen. In less than 20 seconds, in less than 20 seconds, 32,000 people died. Armenia is a, not a first world country, not well structured buildings. They were not ready for an earthquake. You can read about it in a news article, Armenia. Within seconds, 32 thousand people died. The story is told about a young man named Armand. Armand was a 12-year-old boy. Got up that morning, went to school as he always does. Left mom and dad and brother at home. Brother was very young. Armand went to school that day and sure enough, early that morning, an earthquake hit. Shook the ground so badly, buildings dilapidated, just fell flat. Mom and dad of Armand, they 
were inside as best they could. They honkered down and got to the middle of the house and did what they thought was best and got on the ground and they felt this whole shake and, and everything just moved and moved and it sounded like a, a thousand freight trains coming in. The noise was so loud. All of a sudden it just kind of settled down and settled down and, and there's nothing left. Nothing left. They crawled out of the rubble, went outside and they could not believe the devastation that they saw. It was amazing. It was horrific. Bellows of smoke coming up, fires being set. And then the shrills and the shrieks of people screaming and screaming and screaming. And immediately mom said, Armand, 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 Armand's in school, Armand's in school. We got to go get Armand, we got to go get Armand. And, and, and dad said to her, you stay right here. If Armand is someplace that comes home, you need to be here. I'll go get Armand, I'll go get Armand. And dad left and he started to go down the street. It wasn't the street anymore. And these toppled buildings and these stones and debris and all the other stuff. And he just started thinking, oh God, oh God, help my son, help my son, Armand. Help my son, Armand. Help my son, Armand. And as he traveled there and went down, there, it wasn't about a, a block this way. And, and the street was just overlaid with stones and, and debris and, and fires bursting out here. And he got it down to the corner and knew he had to make a right hand turn. It's only about another two blocks down there. And he heard all the people yelling and screaming and shrieking. And, oh my goodness, what, what disaster, what, what chaotic, now all this stuff was going on. And he said, I got to get my son, I got to get my son. So he came to the school. It was a tilled up block wall building school. And in an earthquake, it all, it all just came down. It was just a pile, a pile of rock. Parents were already there. They're weeping. Fires were broken out in that building. They're weeping. He, he remembered my son down this way, down the street, and there's a school. He always walked in this door. I visited his class on the right-hand side. That's where he is on the right-hand side. I got to go get, I got to go get my son Ramon. I got to get my son Ramon. He went over there and climbed up on the heap of the pile and started chucking these rocks. Armand, 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 where are you? Armand, talk to me. Armand, where are you? The, the parents, everyone's there trying to help. A policeman, they're trying to help. Fire people, they're trying to help as little as that they had. And they kept chucking rock and chucking rock and chucking rock. And the dad kept saying, Armand, Armand. Parents got tired. Parents started sitting down. This one dad was relentless. He just started chucking rock after chucking rock after chucking rock. Hour after hour after hour after hour after hour. The dust started to set in, fire still popping. The firemen had put out what, as many fires as they could. They start to leave. They even say to the man, Sir, there's no hope. There's no hope. Sir, just go home. Be with your family. Be with your wife. Be with your other son. And this man, chucking rocks and chucking rocks, he looked up and says, Are you going to help me? Are you going to help me? Sorry, sir. Fireman, he just kept chucking rocks and chucking rocks and chucking rocks. And other parents were there and trying to assist. And, and they got tired and they started leaving. And they said, sir, we, we, we are wearied also. And we realized it's just a tragedy. There's no one's fault. But sir, you got to have your rest. Go back home. And he said, are you going to help me? Are you going to help me? Another hour, another hour. Then a, a police made that curfew run and said, it's one of those, uh, uh, what I call it, the curfew. Everyone's got to be off their streets and things like that. He's out there in the dark just pitching rock. And said, Armand, 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 I'm going to find you. Armand, are you there, Armand? And the police came by and said, sir, you got to go home. There's no one allowed out. There's no one allowed to be out. You need to go home. Are you going to help me? He just kept chucking rock after chucking rock. 12 hours, 14 hours, 20 hours. 24 hours. People came back the next morning. They were just chucking rock and chucking rock and chucking rock. And chucking rock. 34 hours, 36 hours. And he chucked a rock and he saw a puff of air come out. And he heard, Dad? Dad? Armand? Dad? 
Armand, yes, yes, Dad, it's Armand. Armand, give me your hand, I'll pull you out. No, Dad, I am one of 13. There's 12 others down here. I told them my dad is coming. I told them my dad will get me out. I told them my dad will not quit. My dad loves me. He will not quit. Hey, Dad, you pull these other 12 out. I'll come out. And that man, Armand's dad, pulled out 12 of those young boys and girls and got them to change And he reached down and got Armand. And Armand looked at his dad and said, I knew you would come. Here's the invitation. Are you going to help me? Are you going to help me? We can talk about sowing all we want. We can talk about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ all we want. I'm talking about literally, physically, going on the mountainside. Somebody's got to get somebody to Jesus Christ. It is hard work, and it does take time, and it does take labor. But I'll tell you what, there's nothing more loving than when you see someone trust Christ as their Savior, have their whole life turned around. Hey, wouldn't you love to see someone from number two become number one? So it's time to ask you, will you, will you enter into the realm of mountain climbing Christianity? Changes lives. They can see, function. They can do things, resolve. They can get around. Changes lives forever. Will somebody give somebody up the mountain. I'm going to start the invitation. You don't have to wait for someone else. Tonight there ought to be somebody. Although I don't, I'm going to say this horribly. I don't care about your roof. I don't care about the foyer model. I do care about getting people out of hell. Amen. Oh, do I care about that? So tonight is a bigger task than giving monies. That's kind of an easy way. Tonight, somebody's got to get somebody out of hell. Somebody's got to get somebody out of hell. Now, I'm going to make it real. When's the last time you took a copy of God's Word and showed somebody else here's how to get out of hell? Here's how to have your life changed. Here's how to meet the Savior. When's the last time? You're young, you don't need your parents' permission. Married, you don't need your wife to tell you what to do. You just say, hey, I want to help somebody. You get to the somebody who can change their life. Tonight, I'm asking you to join the realms of mountain climbing Christianity. Somebody, let's get somebody up the mountain. Somebody, let's get somebody up the mountain. Somebody, I see get somebody up the mountain. Did you stand with me tonight? I watched her this morning, 80 years of age. She knelt down and had a hard time getting up. My wife went there and said, ma'am, can I pray with you? Miss Yvonne said, I'd like to be a better soul winner. And I felt so convicted that somebody realized I need to get somebody up that mountain. Father in heaven, as the music plays tonight, may we make a self-decision. Lord, somebody has to get somebody up the mountain. They're blind. They, they don't see their way. Not, not just physically. Mentally, emotionally, they're blind. They're maimed. They can't function. They, they can't resolve. They don't, they don't get around. They're a halt. They don't know the way. They're mute. They can't even communicate. Lord, somebody, just somebody, Somebody care enough to stop their busy life 
to see someone's life change for eternity. You have somebody. Has to get somebody up the mountain. Somebody has to get somebody to Jesus Christ. I'm glad that somebody got this somebody. And now I know him too. Father in heaven, help us tonight. If you're here tonight, you'll say, Lord, I want to begin this mountain climbing Christianity. Many have already come to an altar. And I believe that many will say to themselves, yeah, I'd be somebody. Help somebody. Draw closer to Jesus Christ.